And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome into the Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. You may notice that this is not the voice of Grant Brisby. This is Tim McMaster filling in. You may recognize that voice. I host The Mailbag with Ken Rosenthal on Mondays on this feed. I'm part of Starkville on Tuesdays with Jason and Doug as well. But in order to get ready for this show, what I have done beyond look through baseball, Hunter, is I've just drank coffee all morning. I just figured I need to bring it up to that level, get caffeinated, get ready to go. So we'll talk about why Grant's not here in a second. But how are you doing? Tim, I'm doing great. As you can see, I have been drinking my coffee and I'm currently drinking more coffee. Welcome to the Baseball Barista, Tim. It's exciting to have you on the show. And thanks for drinking some coffee and getting getting ready to get hype and talk some baseball. What's your What was your coffee of choice this morning? I brew my own, but I went ice coffee. So, so what we do in the summertime, me and my wife, is we have this big, we got it as a gift a couple of years ago. It's this big like glass jug basically with a, and then there's a thing in the middle that holds the grinds. And we basically make this giant vat of iced coffee and it lasts like four days. It's in the fridge. You just throw some ice in a glass, pour it over, and you're good to go. So definitely the time of year. It's in the 90s in New York today. So it's iced coffee all the way. Okay. I respect iced coffee. I used to be a huge cold brew fan. And it's hard to know the difference between cold brew and iced coffee. I think cold brew is just... I think uh, double brewed. It's like a 24 hour thing. But ice, basically, for what you're saying is you just like brew your own coffee and then just throw it in the refrigerator and, and then pour it with ice. Now, this would be cold brew technically because okay, it's just sitting in there with the grinds. So oh, it's like, yeah. It's, so that's ultra cold brew. Yeah. It yeah gets stronger don't call that every ice day. coffee. That is cold <laughs> brew. That gets you really lit. Yeah. So I'm ready to go. So Grant's not here because he is uh, he's doing his civic duty. He's being a good American. He's doing jury duty. He was called in. I don't know if, Hunter, you've done jury duty. I've done it. I've really only had to spend one full day doing it. I've gotten to like call in and get off the hook a couple of times where they didn't need me. But hey, it happens every once in a while. You got to do it. And Grant is doing it today. 
Yeah, Tim, and, and this makes you extra special in, in my book because Grant literally texted us that last night that he got the the jury duty call. And I've had one where I had to go in and I just sat around for a couple hours and then they sent me home. And that was my the extent of my jury duty. But uh, yeah, so that happened to him last night. And then you show up today uh, coming in on you know the knight in shining armor to fill in for the, the baseball barista. We have an exciting show. There's a lot of exciting things going on in baseball. Last week to this week uh, was some pretty impressive stuff with, you know, obviously Miguel Cabrera with 500 homers. That's fun to talk about. I think also Shohei Otani's season and also the wild card movement are some of the things I'm very excited about, Tim. Uh, what are your thoughts on Shohei Otani versus Babe Ruth? Is this the best season ever? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about, I'm not going to let you off the hook here, Hunter. You had a wild week of travel and fun ah, stuff. So yeah, we're going to get yeah. to that too. But yeah, let's start with uh, with Shohei. And so I pulled some, basically like, whether it's by going by war or whether you're going by just what people talk about as like the great seasons of Major League Baseball, right? The, the single great seasons. And it's so hard to debate with Shohei because when you go with these, there's great batting seasons, there's great pitching seasons. And Babe Ruth, everybody talks about the pitching and hitting. And he had some seasons where he did a little pitching and great hitting. And then before that, he was the great pitching with a little bit of hitting. But it was always kind of one or the other early in his career. And then when he became the full-time hitter, where Shohei's doing it all at once. But I pulled a, a few seasons that are looked upon as the greats, right? And, and Babe Ruth, 1923, he had 393, 41 homers, 130 RBIs. He had a 239 OPS. That was OPS plus, sorry. That was the best of his career. 1309 OPS. That's fantastic. Of course, Barry Bonds, um, you have to throw the asterisk on the numbers, but uh, 2001, he had the 73 homers, a 1379 OPS. But 2004, a lot of people consider the better season, right? Because he had the 1422 OPS because he walked 232 times, which is just absurd. And his OPS plus was 263. So those seasons kind of stand out. Then pitching wise, you got Bob Gibson, 1968, of course, the season where they, the year of the pitcher, they they dropped the mound after that. He had a 1-1-2 ERA. He was untouchable. But in a lot of ways, I put Pedro above him because in, in 99 and 2000 with Pedro, the middle of the steroid era, and Pedro goes back-to-back years, he posted 2-0-7 ERA, then a 1-7-4. I mean, those are sick. So but what I said, right, all those seasons are phenomenal, and people talk about them as the greatest hitting season of all time, the greatest pitching season of all time. But what Otani's doing is both, and that's what makes it hard to compare, right? It definitely is hard to compare, but I think when you put together the whole value, like he's literally creating history. He's doing something that essentially has, I guess I guess you could say maybe Babe Ruth did it, but like to do it at this elite caliber on both sides and I would need to definitely dive more into the Babe Ruth numbers. And that would be the kind of my thing is like, how many innings did Babe Ruth pitch? How many did Otani pitch? And then compare the offensive numbers. But I do agree with you, like the Barry Bonds 2000, I believe it was 2004 season. Also, obviously the 73 home runs. And then the Pedro, Pedro 179 is good. For me, I'm, I'm more balancing the Barry Bonds year, the Babe Ruth uh, best pitching, hitting and Otani just because it's tough for me to take just a, a pitcher as having the best year ever, even though it was probably the best year ever as a pitcher. I'm weighing those three and the story's yet to be told. I'm thinking my viewpoint in today's day and age, 
I want to know what Otani's like regimen is, like his workouts, his eating, his discipline to be doing this at this elite caliber because he's throwing 100 miles an hour. And I think there was a good point brought up with Ruth is that, you know, nowadays, you know, Ruth was only competing against one ethnicity. They didn't have, you know, a lot of the Latins. They didn't have the Negro Leagues. They didn't have, you know, the Japan and all. So this is Otani's competing against the world. So just with that in general is a bigger pool of competitors and I just think what he's doing is, is second to none. The only one that could maybe be argued is Barry Bond season, in my opinion, because of how just absurd of an offensive production that is. Yeah, I mean, his those numbers are off the hook. Of course, the, the steroids are a factor there. You have to take into account all good points. Now, what do you think of the, the one thing we haven't discussed just in the, the big picture of this? And, and I was talking about war and war really has a hard time, I think, with defense. But the fact that... Like another guy you could throw in a great season, right? It was like 2018 Mookie Betts, which isn't going to be in this argument necessarily. But Mookie, beyond the great year he had that year with the home runs, um, you know, the stolen bases, the average, he's a gold glove right fielder, right? And Bonds was a not as much late in his career, but obviously a great outfielder early in his career. Otani, he's doing the pitching every fifth day or every sixth day. He's obviously the 40 home runs, everything he's doing offensively. He doesn't bring the defense to the table, though. Do you think that's a factor at all? Because, you you know, you said you can't throw a full-time pitcher into this argument, which I totally agree with, just because of the amount of work they get in the course of a season. But what about the fact that Otani's not playing in the field much? I think he has nine games in the outfield. I think it's a very valid point. But here's the thing that I'm thinking about that, like, even war doesn't really take into effect is that Atani is essentially giving you an extra roster spot by being able to do this, right? So, like, if you were just, let's say you were just an average pitcher and hitter on a baseball team, and you're like, okay, where we get an extra bullpen arm because, you know, we have this extra slot where this guy is being a position player and a pitcher, and adding an extra bullpen arm essentially makes everyone a lot better on the team that you don't see in numbers because – they can be a little more fresh. You can you can have an extra righty-lefty matchup or whatever the case may be. He's essentially creating an extra slot on your roster for you. And, and bullpen is like kind of the toughest thing, in my opinion, on baseball that a lot of people, like if you're in the grind and you know how much pain these bullpen pitchers are dealing with and how hard it is to like be up every day, taking a little bit off of that toll is a huge advantage to your team. And, and it really helps all of the other players basically have better seasons because of what you're able to accomplish as far as like pitching and hitting. But to not only do that, but like he's not just being an average pitcher. He's like, like when Otani takes the mound, it's like, is he the Cy Young? No, but is he like, can he beat us like a Cy Young on any given day? Because he's, he has Cy Young-ish numbers if he was only pitching. So like you throw him up on the mound and it's like the best in the world, he's just as good as it. He's way ahead of your average pitcher. So he's elite in pitching with his numbers, with his strikeouts. Well, he's on pace to have the most strikeouts per game per nine innings of any Angels pitcher. And I think Nolan, all the rest of them are like Nolan, Nolan, Nolan. And also, like, he's about to break the record of the Angels home runs, 47. He's on pace to beat that if he can stay healthy and finish this year out. So he's also in this elite bat that's, like, as good as your best bat. So the fact that he's not only adding an extra roster spot and 
doing it at both of them at an elite level is what takes the cake for me. Now, I do think that you factor in, and I love that you brought up Mookie Betts, because a lot of people will argue that Barry Bonds' seasons when he was with the Pirates, because he was stealing so many bases and playing such good defense, he was a lot more, his speed was a big factor. Because yeah, offense and driving in runs, but to me, I do think that I like adding Mookie Betts' season to the mix, because I've seen his defense change games. I can argue that I think his defense probably helped them beat the Astros in 26, 18, 2018. 18, he like yeah. robbed that up. was that year that that was and, you know by far his best season. And he's yeah. making plays that like nobody else makes. And actually, he might have been the reason the Dodgers won in twenty twenty because against the Braves, he was robbing several home runs. And I even would argue that like the fact that COVID happened and they were at at, at that new ballpark in Arlington where it wasn't very homer friendly, those were probably homers if the Braves were at their home ballpark. So it's like completely different game if we're not at a random stadium and if Mookie Betts isn't the right fielder because he makes plays that no one else makes. So I do love that argument and adding that season to the mix. But I think the fact that Otani adds the extra roster spot just puts him, it's just a whole different caliber and, and it's changing the game. That's something too that like, it's a great point. And, and I think it's become more and more important, right? Because the, your starters now going five innings, if you're lucky a lot of times and, and the openers and, and just the way pitching staffs are used. I would say like, 20 years ago, that extra roster spot um, was less valuable than it is in 2021, where we're seeing, especially this particular year, because of the lack of innings thrown a year ago and how much pitchers are just grinding down and kind of falling apart here late in the season. The fact that he is giving you that extra roster spot is is more important in today's era and more important important specifically in 2021 although it's certainly not uh not going to get the angels anywhere big picture wise <laughs> yeah and, and that is kind of the the sad part because to to have this season and you want to like you can fantasize like imagine if mike trout was with them the rest of the year like and you know, rendon what, and yeah and, and rendon like where are the angels actually you know it's it's tough to say but it's still remarkable to follow what he is doing yeah, so for me, I feel like we're witnessing history. Like I want to see like hope I don't know how many years he can do it, but I do know that he's kind of changing the scope of baseball for the future because as you mentioned, I got to go and do the Perfect Game All-American Classic, which is the the high school baseball players, and there's a lot of kids out there that were both pitching and hitting more than I think there's ever been in the past, who knows. But a lot of times teams will just tell you like you need to pick one. You have to pick one. I know Joey Gallo was a two-way guy. He could throw, you know, 97-99 off the mound. He wanted to hit. They let him hit. Could he have been doing this? I think it's possible if he wasn't forced into one. But, yeah, I think he's changing the scope. And it was super ama- – it's amazing to see the dreams of a lot of young kids as they're growing up. Now that Otani has proven that this can be done, we might see more of it. What are your thoughts on that? That would be a dream, right? If he like basically just changed the game and made more things possible for these kids. Is that something that came up? Because so the perfect game, I think most people know what the perfect game All-American is at this point. It's it's the cream of the crop as far as the high school kids that are going to be eligible to be drafted next summer. And they, there's a circuit, obviously, now um, and, and Major League Baseball with its PDP Preferred Development Program has kind of broadened that scope and and allowed some more kids to be involved. But um, there's the summer circuit, right? It's not high school baseball. It's it's the best of the best, basically, getting to compete throughout the summer. And that game that you were there for in San Diego is kind of where it all comes together, right? Where these kids are putting it together and it's it's on MLB Network. 
Yeah, we were on MLB Network. So in your conversations with those guys, you know, because because a lot of them, obviously, at the high school level are pitching and hitting and they're the best player on their team at both. In the summer, when they're playing with the best of the best, a lot of times they have to pick. But I think over the last five, 10 years, some of these kids have been allowed, at least at that level, when they're getting ready for college to, you know, throw an inning and and show their stuff and also hit. So when you were talking to these kids and, and part of this game, did you get the vibe that these kids are ready to kind of push the envelope and say, you know what, I don't want to pick. I want to try both. You know what? I didn't actually get the opportunity to talk to too many of them with regards to the scheduling and 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 the protocols uh, with with the COVID and stuff. Oh, but true. you know, just getting to witness it, and and honestly, a lot of it is is also just you know I'm involved with like different little leagues. I have the Hunter Pence Baseball Academy, and I have my nephews who are who are coming up, and you know, just like hearing them ooh and on. They play a ton of MLB the show and they they know all of the old time. They probably know the old timer players just as well, if not better than I do. You know, some of these young kids, even you ask them who their favorite player is, it's like Pete Rose and you know that they never watched Pete Rose play. So right. uh, they just play with them on, on MLB the show and, and whatnot. So my nephews who like he, you know, in Little League and stuff, it's very common to pitch and hit. And then, you know, my brother, he was a, a minor league pitcher, but he had more power than I did. Like he was a great hitter, but he was he had he was blessed with such a good arm. Like he was he would throw he he could throw 97 back in the day but he blew out you know but he always wanted to hit and everyone was like no your arm's too good we're just going to pitch you we're just going to pitch you so he kind of got like pigeonholed into that and his kids all like both pitch and hit and they want to do both so like the fact that Otani is doing it you know i think it makes it where you can now say that you're like hey it can be done and you know maybe it opens the minds of more coaches to be like why not let him go for this right like instead of like being like, ah, it's never been done before. It's never been done before. It, it it was like when they broke the four minute mile or whatever. Everyone said it was impossible until someone did it, and then like thirty some people did it within the next like year. So I think that's kind of what we're gonna see with Otani is is he's actually doing it. He's showing it's possible, and now these kids can actually have an argument so that they get, are given a chance to do it. And that's where I see it and why it warms my heart to see what Otani's doing. And I think we're going to need to see it over a couple of years. Like, obviously, we want to see how great he can do this year, but can he do it healthy another year and another year? And when does that window start shrinking where he has to, like, kind of shift? Because as you get older, you do have to change a little bit. Right. As you get older, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, as you, you specifically get older – you have to focus maybe a little more on the art of it, right? The art of hitting and so forth. So I wonder as his, as the natural ability, you know, as he's not quite as quick with his feet, as as his velocity goes down a tick, will he actually have the time, the hours in the day to refigure out the pitching and refigure out the hitting when he has to reinvent himself? That's really going to be tricky and and right now, I feel like we should just enjoy what we're seeing. But that's definitely something that he's going to have to figure out. No, it's something to definitely enjoy, but to like forward think a little bit. And like I, I have the experience of like going through a 14 year career and being, you know, in the big league semi young. And I can tell you that, like, I never understood why people are like, oh, this plane fight, this plane fight. When I was a kid, I could do whatever I wanted. I was ready immediately. I could swing as hard as I want as, as soon as I got in the batting cage. And I remember like watching like. I remember you, even in 2011 watching Raul Abanez and the discipline and how long he had to prepare before the game. And he was amazing. But like it was like a 45 minute prep of like all sorts of like little things to get his hips loose to get. And I was like, man, that's a lot of work. 
And like, all I did was like eat my food, drink my Gatorade and like, you know, hydrate a little bit, do a workout and get out there. And then as you get older, like the plane flights start adding up, you just a lot more sore. It's harder to get the body going. And, and I started re realizing that that's why Abanez was doing that is because you have to do a lot more to get ready. Once you get warmed up and you do things properly as you get older, it's fine, but it definitely takes a lot longer and there's a, a lot more toll. And like, you have to pay attention to every little thing to extend your career. And that's what's super impressive. Even when you're young, you still feel pain. So that's what's still very impressive to me about Otani is to do both of these at an elite level. He's probably putting in like what the time that it, like a veteran or an old player has to put into just to do their one craft at a young age. So that's pretty, pretty remarkable what we're witnessing. And it's going to be fun to see. And who knows? Maybe he just has a genetic craziness that like we've never seen before and and he's able to just do it his whole career. That would be awesome. But from my experience, a lot of little things started adding up that you didn't notice when you were younger and it, and and your body just changes. There's a reason people don't play forever except for Julio Franco and Yadier Molina. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Speaking of guys who have to put in the extra work and are nearing the end of their careers, Miguel Cabrera. It's number 500. Took him a little while to get there. I think it was 31 at-bats between 499 and 500. Miggy's interesting because obviously you think back, Hunter, when you were playing and this really his career and your career for a lot. There's a lot of overlap there. So I think you're familiar with every, you know, all of that. And he had, you know, 11 time all star, the back to back MVPs, the triple crown season, all that stuff. And those MVPs may be debatable with Trout and what you can get into that, whatever. But right now, because the last five years basically have been tough for Miggy, right, as he's gotten older and everything's kind of down. He's he's battled the health issues. I feel like he's not appreciated as much as he should be here at the end, but getting number 500 allowed the sport as a whole and everybody paying attention to say, oh yeah, Miggy, he's an all-timer. Oh, for sure. And like, I got to put this in perspective. Like 
he was in the big leagues at like 18, 19. Like he was winning World Series when I was in high school, like watching on TV. Like, so he's been doing this for forever. And and one thing about Miggy and the fact that he hit 500 homers is he hit 500 homers and I wouldn't necessarily consider him just a power hitter. Like he is like an all around pure hitter. He's just like a drive in 100 runs, hit 330 for forever, 340. And like to win a triple crown, it's doing everything. It's average power and driving in runs. He was never a guy that was hitting, you know, a lot of times now we see people hitting 50 homers and batting 250, 220, 200, and they still have great OPS because whatever, but he's still barrel control, contact. To hit 330 and 40 homers, which is what he did for a long, a long extended period, he's a pure hitter. And he hit the 500 mark. So, yes, baseball is what have you done for me lately. And and that's one of the things is like, what do we remember? Do we remember the young Miggy? And, and, and we had like, you start getting all these injuries. It starts getting harder to stay healthy. He's an all-time great. He's a surefire Hall of Famer um, with all the stuff that he's done. And I do think that 500 is a special number to celebrate. And I think everyone has loved Miggy and his passion for baseball and his commitment to baseball. And he's a special player. He's like a once in a, you know, he's a very rare, very rare career. What season is this for him? Is this like 21? What is it? 19, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, from, from Oh four, basically, which was his first full season when he had 33 homers, it was pretty much 30 to 40 homers, 45 homers, you know, 100 and whatever RBIs and the average well over 300 pretty much every season for about 14 years. So like that stretch is is impressive. And you think about the years, right? It's he started right when steroids were being pushed out of the game, too. So that that's not part of this. This is just just a, in a fabulous hitter. And the opposite. You mentioned how good a hitter he was. And you think of how many of his home runs were opposite field. And then the ballpark he plays in too, right? Like just a, a cemetery for fly balls there in Detroit. So yeah, impressive. So that brings the question though up is Miggy gets to 500. Who else, when you look at across Major League Baseball right now, like who can get to 500? I wanted to throw names at you and I can give you the numbers and their age. And I want your take on you know what the chances are of these guys getting to 500. Can we play this game? I want to play this game, but first I want to like emphasize something that you said that sparked something to thinking about Miggy is the fact that he has done this, the 500 homers, in an era where he's dealt with steroid testing his whole career. And I don't think he's had a hiccup. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't look at it like as intensely as I probably should, but I don't think he's had a hiccup. And he's done all of this, which I think says a ton while being tested throughout most of his major league career. And I think that's something pretty pretty great to celebrate. And he has done it in a graveyard. So I think Miggy is a once-in-a-lifetime type hitter talent. I know that a lot of the swing tech is based off of his swing. A lot of the stuff that where they like they create they took the best hitters in the game and like created this whole biomechanics of what they were doing right. And I know a lot of it is based off of him. He has just an immaculate, natural, beautiful swing. So I just wanted to throw that out there, and and, and I thought that that was a, a a great point. So yeah, let's let's go into this because I do think there's gonna be some young hitters that are gonna get to 500, and I wanna I wanna hear the names you got for me all right so we're gonna work our way basically from closest and oldest to furthest away and youngest (laughs) that's the the route we'll take so by far the oldest and closest is a guy i mentioned that is nelson cruz so he's 41 uh, he has 443 homers so you know 57 more you figure he could 
Yeah, he could hit five, six more this year. Maybe it's seven. Maybe he's within fifty if he has a real, really nice uh, month of September here. Forty-one years old, so he need fifty. So he's not going to do that in one year. So that means basically what? Two more healthy seasons of Nelson Cruz. That can that happen? I do think that that can happen. I think he's still producing. I think he's still got obviously the power because if you look at some of the home runs he's hitting. They're going to like never, never land (laughs) and Peter Pan's playing with those balls he's launching. So I do think it's possible. I think that I always remember just Julio Franco and like how long he played. I I love bringing him up because I just could not believe I played against Julio Franco and I was like, I felt like I was like eight years old watching him play. And uh, (laughs) so it's very possible. A lot of these people, when they have the passion and Nelson Cruz is just a guy that just keeps coming, keeps producing. And as long as there's a DH in the league, I think he's got a place. He played first base the other day and, and he's looking he's looking spry i think he's gonna get to 500 all right i like that too i i think he gets to 500 that's it right in two years that i did it i'm done i'm walking away maybe that's the he'll play until then basically if it takes a third season maybe he he brings it back and runs it back to get there and i think it makes sense for clubs to like to get him to get there because it's a fun thing to you know, root for to go and watch. And, uh, you know, I think he's also like, he's on teams that are going to be competing for the world series. And I, I don't think he's won a championship. So I think he has both carrots, you know, first of all, he's passionate. He loves the game. That's obvious. Second of all, he's been very close to winning a world series. He's very clutch. He's, he's, he's tried and true. He's a great leader. And I think he wants 500 and I think he wants a championship and, and, He's good enough to be on these teams that are competing for the World Series. And he's someone, you know, if you're in the clutch, you're going to get a good at bat from Nelson Cruz. He's not going to be an easy out. And he's he's very dangerous and very scary. All right. So yes, for both of us, for Nelson Cruz. Now, of the the guys that are, you know, a little older, not the young crop, here's, here's the group. And these, these are tougher. Giancarlo Stanton, 31 years old, 332 homers. You wonder where he'd be if not for the injuries. To me, he doesn't get there because he just doesn't play enough. But what do you think? I'm actually, wow, that, that one is really tough. He's a huge guy, and, and he's had a tough time staying healthy for the most part. But when he is healthy and he gets consistent out there, I know that he's a really, really hard worker. You see, like, his workout stuff. I think Stanton's going to have a place. He's going to have a, you know, he's going to have a chance to DH. He needs to get 100 and how many? He's at 332, so he needs 168. I think that he's going to get there for sure. 31, he's got a long way to go. He's at like at minimum he's going to play to 37, at minimum if you ask me. And I think as you start getting older and and you start doing this, you start working on losing weight and I think he might need to get a little lighter and just keep in the mobility. Like he needs to do a little bit less of the pure power. He's got plenty of that, get lighter and yeah, you give him 6-7 years, he's going to hit 30-ish a year. Let me, that, let me do that math. So carry the two. Uh, yeah, he's going to get there. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. yeah, I think if he stays healthy, he does. I'm just concerned. All right, next is uh, Mike Trout, 30 years old, 310 homers. Very similar, I think, if you think about you know the age, the number, and then will he stay healthy and have the drive? I definitely think Trout will get there. I think that's easier than Stanton. All right, Harper, 28 years old, 255. So he's got a couple of years to work with. Plays in a band box now in Philly. That helps. I feel like I have to say no. Like I just want to say yes for everyone because I want to root for him. So if I am going to say a no, I'm, I'm going to go with Harper, even though I still think he's going to get there. But just because I feel like I'm 
I'm pigeonholing myself into having to say no for someone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he's the farthest away. He's the farthest away. I got another probable no for you. So this is the last of the the not kids in the game. Aaron Judge has 146 homers. But the crazy thing is he's already 29 years old. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say he's not going to get there. Yeah, that would be that would be a impressive second half of a career. <laughs> it's hard to believe that Harper is not going to get to 500 because I know that Harper is a he's a stat guy. He really cares about making history and he's just an incredible another one of those once in a lifetime talents. But I'm going to stick to my no, even though I, I'm rooting for him to get there, obviously. And uh, I'm also, yeah, I, I'm going to say no on Aaron Judge. That one seems like a long, long, long shot. I'm going to give you the next generation. I'll give you the numbers, and then you tell me of this group of four who you think can do it. So Acuna, obviously missing a, a half of a season this year. That stinks for everybody. But he's 23. He has 95 homers already. Juan Soto is 22. Before you go over all of these, Tim, I just want to say 100% Acuna, 100% Tatis. Tatis is going to shatter homers if he he just has to stay healthy, which is kind of like what you say about everyone. But I cannot wait to follow both of their careers. So those two are a definite yes. Before you even say anything, I just want to throw that out there. And I even think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a yes. Okay, so Acuna, 95 at 23, I think definitely. Tatis, tricky, he's 22, he has 73. But he's been hurt, but I think these guys all have a good chance. Soto, 22 still, crazy, 89 homer. So he's right behind Acuna. And then Vladdy, uh, 22 also, and he has 60, but he got the slow start. You know, he had the, the kind of slow start in, in 2019. So he's he's kind of hitting the groove now. So I think they can all do it, which is awesome for baseball. Yeah, they definitely can all do it. They're all going to be extremely fun to watch for a long, long time. It's like natural for them. They're only, and they're only going to get better. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., his ability to hit bad balls out, like it doesn't even have – I watched him hit a 96-mile-an-hour ball out from Gossman that was six inches off the plate, and he took it like eight rows deep to right. And then you also watch him like four inches inside fastballs, and he pulls them for homers like – He's home runs per bat like through the roof with with what he's doing. So Soto, I think, is is a unique one because I think he's he's like the pure baseball skill and he does everything. He's the defense, he's the arm, he's you know, similar to Cabrera. He's like power and good barrel speed. Like I feel like he's tough to strike out, just OPS city. So he's like the best baseball skill, and I think that he he's the safest bet to stay healthy of all of them. So I, I honestly I'm going to say yes to all of them, but yeah, I think Soto's probably the easiest one to say yes to. Yeah, I agree. Just the way he he swings the bat and, and everything. It's so impressive. All right. Uh, before we wrap things up, I know you wanted to talk about these wildcard races that are getting fun, right? Oh, yeah. So, so Tim, I'm not sure if you listened to the show last week, but we kind of dabbled on the Mariners and we were like going through like the wildcard races and we were like... They're four games back and they got three teams they're trying to catch up to. And lo and behold, I could not wait to get back to this week and be like, the Mariners are like right there. They are charging. And uh, a lot of these wildcard races are such like ocean waves. Like you're hot, you're hot, you're hot. You're not, you're not, you're not. Uh, you know, I, I, for a long time, obviously it was like the Padres were 100% in. For me, like uh, maybe like three, four weeks back, I said I was I w- the the Red Sox had just lost the division lead to the Rays, and they were way up there. And I was like, I think it's going to be the Yankees and the A's. Right now, obviously, it's looking like 
A's, Mariners, Red Sox are going to be that third team in with how hot the Yankees are right now. I wanted to kind of get your take on it. Do you think the, Mar- the Mariners just look competitive? I don't know how they're doing it. But what is your take on, on on the American League wildcard race? Who are you feeling right now? The thing that you just said is is I don't know how they're doing it, which is totally where where I'm coming from as far as the Mariners go. It seems like it's it's mirrors. Obviously, they're they're ahead of their schedule, I think, and the run differential is something we've talked about. I think you guys have talked about this with Grant a little bit. The the run differential over negative fifty, negative fifty six. Now it, it truly is kind of a little bit with mirrors. But it doesn't matter now when you get to September, just make it happen. But it's it's so tight now. And when I look at it, the A's are struggling. The Red Sox maybe have, I don't want to say they've righted the ship because Matt Barnes has been a really bad at the back end of the bullpen. And if you don't have that guy to lock it down, who knows? They had the, the tough trip with the Yankees. My gut says that the wild card is, I could see the Yankees actually catching the Rays potentially. So one of those two teams is your first AL wild card. I think that's a lock, either Yankees or Rays. I think the Red Sox write the ship enough to sneak in. And then we've never had a Red Sox-Yankees wild card game. That would be pretty wild. We've had, of course, 1978, the Bucky Dent game, which was like a wild card game because it was game 163 between those teams. But it would be that vibe. I mean, that's what I'm kind of rooting for just because if you're going to have a winner take all game, get Yankees, Red Sox, that's pretty cool. You know, the A's could could sneak in. I don't think Seattle can do it. And I think the Blue Jays have played their way out at this point. So it comes down to Boston and Oakland. I think it ends up being the Red Sox going to the Bronx for the wild card game. Okay. And I mean, that's who's there right now. That is definitely probably the the safest pick. I would love to see that. That's true. But I do think the Yankees could potentially catch the Rays. Like right now, they are like the team to beat in the American League, if you ask me. But the Mariners are only one game back of the A's and they're kind of charging. I do think that that would be kind of cool to watch. Who's the start? The starting pitching is it Garrett Cole versus if it is Red Sox Yankees? Cole uh, is, is Sale. It's yeah. gonna be. Oh my gosh! How is Sale pitching since he's come back? I haven't completely looked at that. They haven't fully stretched him out. He's been you know uh, five innings, a little over five innings. They haven't let him go up over a hundred pitches yet. I don't think, but he has been good. He's actually been like the the lone bright spot here as they've faded. Yeah, he's got a 1.80 over 10 innings pitched. Yeah, that's 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 vintage sale. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with you on that and say it, it, we're looking at a potential Yankees Red Sox sale versus Garrett Cole. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be wild. But I I am not counting out the Mariners. It's gonna be fun to watch, no matter what. It's gonna be a frenzy. It's gonna be wild. But uh, but yeah, you're you're definitely right. The the Red Sox and Yankees are looking like they're in charge. And uh, if if the Rays can hold them off, they have a pretty significant lead. They just like quietly are awesome all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the NL is crazy now, too. I didn't think this would ever be a factor. Right. I thought all year it was going to be either the Giants or Dodgers are going to win that division. And then the Padres and whoever doesn't will be the two wildcard teams. These pesky Reds won't go away. I was talking um, with Cassianos and I was we were watching them because Grant had actually said early in the year he was expecting the Reds to be good, and they were just like having this rough, rough stretch, and they kept losing, kept losing. But then right before the break, they started a, they started a similar to the Mariners charge right now, where it was like under the radar, they were really close, and they were like just like playing good ball, 
just grinding out, playing with passion. And it is kind of sad to see because the Padres, barring, you know, four all-star type front end starting pitching going down and like literally tons of injuries, Tatis going down for a while, they were pretty healthy and and like, yeah, we're going to be the wild card. We're going to maybe even chase this division. And they've just like really are, are, are swimming an uphill battle. And, and I think a lot of it is like, as that starts to happen, you start to try harder and try harder. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can re, like I said, like the waves of the ocean, like you hit the bottom and then all of a sudden you start climbing up if, if they can get a, a resurgence, but they're definitely sinking quickly. But the Reds have just been, they're kind of that team that's just been playing good ball, playing good ball. I like a lot of their leaders. I love obviously Joey Votto, the youth, the, he found the fountain of youth, but they got great leaders with Moustakas. This guy's always in the playoffs everywhere he goes. I pay attention to those people. They They have good pitching. Well, solid, solid starting pitching for sure. And uh, just a, a lineup that's tough to deal with. You know, this Jonathan India is, is for real. Castellanos is crushing it. So it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think it's over. I think it's going to be one of those, like, what game 162 is going to be interesting. And that's all you can ask for is, is, is close races. That's the fun of baseball, if you ask me. But if I am going to pick one, I'm going to believe – I think the Padres are going to are gonna find a way – to get back in there. And I think it's going to come down to the last, last week at, at the bat at worst. I agree. I think they get enough guys back healthy that they, they put it together and they get in and then things get interesting because I think in the playoffs, that team could be dangerous. And, and the national league in general is going to be a lot of fun. All right. Good stuff. How'd I do Hunter? Did I fill in? Did I do okay? Outstanding. It was incredible. Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, it was a pleasure to, to get to work with you and have a, a show. And I hope you enjoyed dealing with my crazy mind and crazy thoughts, but it's always a good time. If I'm going to give a parting thing for this, Tim, I just want to throw out like I'm really enjoying and, and this is like has nothing to do with anything other than the White Sox and you know, I just I'm loving the White Sox what they're doing. That La, as soon as Larusa comes back, uh, he's already back at the top of the division, and obviously they had a talented team. Like I'm just loving this season. I'm happy to see Larusa succeeding and that White Sox succeeding and what they've been able to accomplish. Tim Anderson said we're the team to beat in the American League, and he backed it up. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we close this. Yeah, they are the team to beat right now for sure. All right, well I'm not trying to Wally Pip Grant. He will definitely be back in a week. <laughs> For the baseball barista, I can't handle drinking this much coffee uh, every day, every <laughs> once a week. So, uh, But thanks for tuning in. Uh, for Hunter Pence, I'm Tim McMaster. Uh, great stuff. Tune in again on Friday. Derek Van Riper and Keith Law will be right back at you here on The Athletic Baseball Show. I love coffee! <laughs> Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.